What are you really hungry for? Some of you can't, aren't going to be able to see this very well. I'm sorry about that. It's due to low ceiling and all that. When we get this whole place redone, which we will do in a few, in a few weeks' time, we'll begin that process, then it will all change. But some of you at the front will hopefully see it. Well, I wonder how many of you are really hungry for what I want to call real food. Vegetables, all right? Just for you guys, that's vegetables and fruit and bread and real food. How many of us are hungry for real food? But actually, many of us, if we're really honest, as appealing as though that looked, we are much more hungry for junk foods. Am I right? Ah, now like it's all the lights are coming on, aren't they? The lights are coming on. So why is there a difference between real food and junk food? And what I want to do this morning is kind of use these as props as we go throughout this next 30 minutes or so to look at the difference between real food and the difference between junk food. And I don't know about you, but why is junk food so addictive? So on Friday, I bought this tub of Pringles. And as you know, I've been on a diet and watching my weight and all that. So I haven't eaten Pringles for a long time. If you eat Pringles, I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you, all right? There's nothing wrong with junk food in its moderation. There's nothing wrong with it, okay? And so I bought this the tube of Pringles because I thought, I remember Pringles. They're really addictive. And so I bought it as a prop for this morning. And uh, yesterday when we were out with Simeon, I opened it and I thought, I'll have just one. As you can see, I had about 35, all right? Because as soon as I'd, what is it when you pop it, you can't stop it or something? Once you, once you pop, you can't stop. You've had some of these, haven't you, Kirsty? Okay. And the reason, the, reason, the reason that junk food is addictive is that you've got to understand the brain. There's a system in the brain called the reward system. And basically, it rewards you for doing something that you should be doing, okay? So, when, so you should eat. So when you eat, the brain releases a little tiny hit of dopamine, okay? And uh, that's fine. But the problem is with junk food is that it, it kind of connects into that and, and it release, your brain releases too much dopamine. Then your brain starts to compensate for that. So it craves and needs more. And that's why it's addictive. And the thing is, it's not just junk food that's addictive that releases dopamine. Drugs are addictive. Alcohol is addictive. Sex is addictive. Social media and technology is addictive. Which is why when you have a hit, a status, a ping that comes through on your phone, it releases a tiny hit of dopamine and you have to answer it. And if you can't, can I say, if you can't leave it to one side, you are addicted. You are addicted. If you cannot leave your phone on one side without going for it, you are addicted. I am addicted. I'm an addict. This feels like a, like a safe place to say that. You're all going to applaud me now, aren't you? But basically, junk food works on the same kind of, pro, of, of premise. That there's a survival instinct. There's a good thing within us, within, wired within our brain. But this feeds that to such a degree, to an over degree, that that dopamine means that we crave for more of this stuff. Junk food. Uh, and, the, and the interesting thing is that... Um, it causes this powerful thing to hit off. And also, but have you ever been away, or like maybe you've been on holiday, or you've been working away, or you've been in a place where you could only eat junk food? And I've done that many times. Remember touring with bands and different things like that, where we, we, the only food we could eat was junk food. And if you've been away on holiday, and you've eaten other stuff, and is there that sense in which you have this phrase, oh, I just really love some real food. Anyone ever said that? So you've eaten this kind of fast food stuff, but actually what you really crave for is real food. 
food. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. What's the difference between junk food and real food? And what are you really hungry for this morning? And we're going to look at Jesus, the master teacher who 2,000 years ago taught a lot about KFC, McDonald's, Papa John's and Pringles. Maybe not in your Bible, but in my Bible, it's all there, okay? So we're going to look at John chapter 6. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 6. The words are going to come up on the screen for the bit that we're going to look at. Let me give you a bit of background. Um, In John chapter 5, which funnily enough precedes John chapter 6, it's amazing that is, what Jesus does is that there's a big crowd of people and they're all hungry. And he feeds this multitude. The Bible says 5,000. Actually, there were more than 5,000 because under Jewish law, you'd only record the men. So there were women and there were children, maybe 15, 20,000 people. And Jesus takes some bread and some fish. We haven't got any fish here this morning because that would be horrible, the smell. He takes some bread and some fish and he feeds this massive crowd supernaturally. It's amazing. And then right after that, he walks on water and Peter walks on water for a bit. Incredible supernatural thing. And then right after that, the crowd pursue him. They go after him. And this is what it says in John 6 verse 24. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. You could almost say they were hungry for him because they got in the boats and they pursued him. They went to look for him. So wait, were they hungry for him? When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, they seem hungry because hunger is an active state that results in you seeking out the object of your desire that will satisfy you. Are you with me? When you're hungry, you get active about looking for food. So it looks on the face of it that these guys are hungry and they are hungry, but are they hungry for real food or are they hungry for junk food? Well, let's see what Jesus says. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me. You're hungry, but not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, which is junk food, but for food that endures to eternal life, which is good food, which the Son of Man will give you. Let me suggest three things I want to suggest. The first one is this. Many of us are hungry for the stuff. We're hungry for the stuff. We'd call it materialism. Materialism. This is this group of people. Jesus says, you are hungry because you ate your loaves and had your fill. You are hungry for the stuff that I could provide. I want to suggest that's junk food. If we're only ever hungry for stuff, for material things, that's junk food. At the time of uh, Jesus, the Romans instituted a welfare program called Bread for Peace because they had lots of homeless, um, uh, hungry people in their communities across the Roman Empire, bread for peace. And can I just say, it's a really good thing to meet people's practical needs. We love that at this church. We have a food bank here at the church. And I want to say a massive thank you to all of you who volunteer in the food bank. Two or three times a week, you come down here and you feed hundreds of people over a few months, you know, literally thousands across the black country. But we have a distribution point here. Thank you for doing that. That That's so important. It offers a real tangible expression of the love of God. And I also want to thank those of you that when you go shopping in Tesco, or Waitrose, or Lidl, or wherever you go. And wherever you go and you put extra bits in your trolley and you bring that to the food bank, which helps feed people, that is amazing. And at this church, we love that. We think the gospel is practical and tangible. And we have other things around food at the moment. There's a Saturday morning event that happens where we put, put on free food and cook good food for, for people on the estate over the road there. We're getting lots of people come to that. With lots of other different things around food. And that's in- fantastic. 
But you know, hunger isn't just for natural physical food. There's a hunger for something beyond that, isn't there? There's a hunger for something beyond that. And here were these people that were only hungry for Jesus because he gave them what they wanted. They were hungry for the stuff. They were materialists. But now 2,000 years later, we're not like that, are we? We're not hungry for the stuff anymore. We've moved on beyond that, haven't we? Or have we? Listen to this. We are all against materialism, someone once said. We don't want to be materialistic. We just want more. We don't want to be materialistic. We just want more. 89% of people in the UK said they felt that we were too materialistic. Professor Philip Graham, professor of child psychiatry, said one factor that may be leading to the rising mental health problems in, um, in young people is that young people are preoccupied with possessions, the latest in fashionable clothes and electronic equipment. Our culture is in big trouble when it comes to being hungry for the stuff. Because it's not just material possessions. We're hungry for other things as well. I was reading recently about a talk show host in the US that talked about a sex therapist who ran this ad. And the ad said this, if you're not completely satisfied with your sex life, give us a call. And I thought, what a shocking statement. If you're not completely satisfied, as if the goal should be, you should be completely satisfied. What kind of planet are we living on? If you're not completely satisfied with your spouse, get another one. If you're not completely satisfied with your house, get, it, get another one and go into debt that you can't afford. If you're not completely satisfied with your job or your body or your church. And this is the culture that we're in. And when we're hungry for junk food, it's an addictive thing that we cannot satisfy because we're not meant for it to satisfy us. And I want to test this out for a moment if, I, if you can join me this morning. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to take out your wallet or your purse if you don't have that, then the, the next most important thing, maybe even more so, your phone. And I want you to hold that thing in your hand just for a moment. Your wallet or your purse or your phone. If you haven't got any of them, your car keys. All right? And just to test out whether we are really hungry for the stuff or not, I want you to give it to the person on your right. Okay? <laughs> Look at you, some of you ain't doing it, are you? Oh, hello. This could all go horribly wrong this morning. And now that you've done that, wait up, listen, ladies, please. And now that you've done that, we're going to take an offering this morning. <laughs> no, we really are. No, we're not. No, we're not. Okay, you can give it back. You can give it back, all right? Some of you are like, your heart's beating like that, isn't it? Your heart's beating. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's a bit of fun to, to make a point, but, but here's the thing. And for some of you, 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 you may not be Christians yet. You're not a Jesus follower. You're not sure there's a God. You're not sure about this whole thing. That's fine, okay? You, you check it out and I'll talk to you in a moment. But for those of you that are Christians, you know, let, let me read this quote to you. A, a, a lady called Jean Zorn, she wrote this, and I identify with this so much. And if we're honest, I think we should as well. She says this, As a new Christian, I presume Jesus' main job was taking care of me. He led me to a job, roommates to share my apartment costs, and a car that ran. But after a while, my taste got fussier. Like the Israelites waking up to manna every morning. Manna is the bread, okay, in the Old Testament story. Uh, it's the, it's the, I was tired of the same old, same old. I wanted a home now with more privacy, a more interesting yet less stressful job and a shinier new car. 
My list continued to grow. I wanted Jesus to perk me up when I was down, remove my difficulties, and make living a whole lot easier. Isn't that so true of us? If that's true of us, if that's what we're hungry for, we're hungry for junk food. We're hungry for junk food because we're hungry for the stuff that's materialists. Let's move on. Then in verse 28, they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. The second group, they're not hungry for the stuff. They're hungry for the rules. They're not materialists. They're legalists. They say, what must we do then? We're hungry to do. We want to do. If, we could, if you could tell us the rules and we could abide by the rules, then we would be satisfied. No, you won't. Because just obeying the rules is junk food. Jesus says, hey, that's not what this is about. It's not about obeying the rules. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship. And sometimes when you've been in church, maybe a long time or like me brought up in church, you can get like, you know, an inoculation. When you get a jab at the doctors against the disease, they give you a little bit of the disease, just enough to inoculate you against the real thing. That's what can happen to us. Many of us have been around church a long time. We can get a little bit of faith, but it's just enough to inoculate us against the real thing. That's what rules. That's what legalism does. And I want you to say, I want you to know this. Aristotle and Socrates, the great philosophers, they said, follow my teachings. Buddha said, follow my meditations. Confucius said, follow my sayings. Muhammad said, follow my noble pillars. But Jesus said, follow me. It's not about the rules. It's about a relationship. G.K. Chesterton was a great author. He said, let your religion be less of a theory and more of a love affair. You see, when your faith is, is less, of a, less of a religion or, or less about the, the rules and more of a love affair, then that's real food. When your relationship with God is a love affair, that's the real food. But when it's only all about the rules, it ends up being junk food. There's more. Verse 30. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? I want to suggest these people, and this could be controversial this morning. I want to suggest these people were hungry for the spectacular. They weren't materialists. They weren't legalists. They were sensationalists. He'd already fed a multitude and walked on water, but it wasn't enough for them. Because they were hungry for what he could do. They were hungry for the spectacular. They weren't hungry for what I want to suggest is the real food. Now I'm all against, I'm all for the spectacular. All against. I'm all for that. I'm all for us seeing God break out and we want to see God heal. And we are seeing God heal and we want to see God raise the dead and we want to see blind eyes open. I'm all for that. But if that's the only thing you're hungry for, it could end up being junk food. Because it will never be enough to fully satisfy you. And Jesus said in verse 31, Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the true bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. In the wilderness, God gave them this, the sensational and the miraculous But that was so that they could look at God. That was so that they would be hungry again for God, not just hungry for what God could do for them. So what are you hungry for? What are you really hungry for? If you're just hungry for the spectacular, I want to suggest that's junk food. But here comes the real food in verse 34. So sir, they said, always give us this bread. Don't give us the junk food. Don't give us materialism and legalism and sensationalism. Give us the real bread. Where's the real food? And Jesus said this, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. As we start this series of Lent, guys, as we look at what we're hungry for, I want to I say from what Jesus would say today is this, are you really hungry for me? Not just what I can do for you, not just at the rules and the framework, not just at the great, amazing, spectacular things that I can do, but are you hungry to know me? Isn't it tragic that in relationships, in any relationship, is that person you're in a relationship with, are they in that relationship with you, whatever the relationship is, because of what you can do for them or because they want to be in a relationship with you? It makes a big difference, doesn't it? it makes a massive difference. And Jesus says, are you hungry for junk food? which is going to give you cravings but not satisfy you? Or are you hungry for real food? I am the bread of life. Wow. You know, at this point, many people in the crowd stopped following Jesus because the teaching got so hard. And as they all went away, he turned to the 12 uh, at the end of this chapter in verse 67. And he says to, 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 uh, to Peter and to the others, you, don't, you do not want to leave too, do you? Peter then in verse 68 says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the only one who has real food. All of the rest is junk food. Where else are we going to go? And then I've written it out like this. I, th- I think this is kind of what he's saying. He's saying, Lord, you're not easy to live with. And he's not, is he? He's not easy to live with. He's demanding at times and he's challenging at times and, and, and he puts us in an awkward position at times. He's not easy to live with. He says, Lord, you're not easy to live with. You embarrass us and at times you even frighten us. We, we don't always understand you. And yet your words are the most remarkable words that we've ever heard. They explain who we are and they make us understand life itself. We are satisfied by you and we are held here by our desire for more of you. We have put our faith in you. You fit the prophecies and you fulfill the predictions. Where else would we even think about going? We are hungry for life. We are hungry for real food. Jesus, we are hungry for you. We are hungry for you. Guys, I want to say something to you this morning. Work is not the bread of life. Hello? Your job, my job, work is not the bread of life. Family is not the bread of life. Our um, convictions, our causes, our callings are not the bread of life. Houses, hobbies, holidays are not the bread of life. Church is is not the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. Isn't he? And guys, what we do is that whenever we elevate other things to the bread of life status, they have a habit of turning and becoming junk food. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So what are you really hungry for today? You know, hunger is a prerequisite for spiritual passion. Athletes who reach a certain level in their sport, who want to go to the next level, their coach will always say to them, are you hungry? Are you hungry? Because it's going to cost you to get from here to here. So what I want to do in the, in the five minutes that I've got left is that on the card that I put inside the, your bulletin, this is for you for the whole of the Lent season. Rather than produce a devotional, we've just produced something very simple, which we want you to use uh, over the next five, six weeks as we lead up to Easter and if you notice on that, there's some Bible verses on there which, which you can stick somewhere or you can put on your, you know, your, your office or your, your wherever, wherever you can look or in your Bible or what, whatever. And there are seven things on there that I want to suggest. These are seven things you can do to stir up your hunger for God. 
And I want to just quickly go through these, but we're going to build on this, I'm sure, over the next five weeks together. So if you want to have a hunger for God today, and maybe you say, I'm not a Christian, but maybe you know that you're hungry for something. There's something inside of you, and you've tried a lot of other things, and you recognize that actually a lot of those things, as good as though they are, really they're kind of like junk food, and you're, you're hungry for the real food. You can begin that process as well during this season. But I want to just give you seven things, and I've been trying to apply these, and I'm applying these into my own life. Here's the first one. If you want to stir up spiritual hunger, you've got to miss it. If you haven't got it right now, you've got to miss it. There's got to be that sense that, hey, I had it, and I don't have it, and I miss it, and I want it back. And in Psalm 63, which is the psalm that I put on the, on the card for you, David says this, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. David's saying, like, I've had it, and I haven't got it, and I miss it, and I want it back. And here's something very interesting. Somebody felt God spoke to them about something so important, which they shared with me uh, in, in the worship. And, and this, is, this is it, what I want to share with you anyway. You know, a person fasting eventually will lose their appetite as their body adjusts. I remember years and years ago when we were newly married and uh, Alison went away on a, a, week, a week's conference, which was a prayer and fasting conference for a week. So she fasted from food for a whole week. She'd never done that before. I've never done that. I've done it for a few days, but never for a week. In fact, I was in my late 20s, and I remember driving up halfway through to, to see her halfway through the week and to, to be at one of the events. I couldn't drive up the motorway without stopping for food. And there she was for a whole week. But she said this to me. She said, the first two or three days were really tough. But after that, you get used to going without food. Maybe if you've had an eating disorder or got an eating disorder, you'll understand how the body can adjust. Here's the thing spiritually. The real tragedy in the church is not spiritual famine, but famine without hunger. Dryness without thirst. Do you miss it? The reality is many of us as Christians, we end up living out the Christian life and we've lost our spiritual hunger and we don't even miss it. We don't even miss it. God, would you stir up our hunger so that we miss it? And connected to miss it is we've got to remember it. You can only miss it if you've had it. And you've got to remember it, what it was like. David says in verse 2, I have seen you in the sanctuary and I have beheld your power and your glory. I've had it. I remember it. I miss it. I want it back. Is that you this morning? Is that you? In this period of Lent, you had it. You remember it. You miss it. You want it back. Thirdly, Pray for it then. Ask God to give it you back. And I love this quote, one of my favorite quotes from St. Teresa of Avila. And she said this. This is so honest. You might not get it. You have to bear with me. She said this. Oh God, I don't love you. I don't even want to love you. But I want to want to love you. Do you get it? She's been so honest. She said, I've lost this hunger. I don't love you right now. That hunger's gone. I don't even want to. And if we're really honest, some of us are like that. I don't want to open my Bible. I don't want to connect into God. But God, I want to want to do that. And sometimes when we're at this stage, and he's like, if this is real food, I'm away over here. I ain't ever going to get over there. That's where I love you and I want to love you. But could I start by praying, God, I want to want to love you. I want to want to be hungry. And then maybe that moves to, now I want to be hungry and I want to love you too. God, I love you. And I'm hungry for you. We've got to pray for it. Fourthly, we've got to catch it. 
It's contagious. Spiritual hunger is contagious. Be around people who are spiritually hungry. If you are around people who are not spiritually hungry too long, you will lose your own appetite. You've got to find ways of being around people who are spiritually hungry. Number five, feed it. The Apostle Paul speaks about a battle within us between the flesh, between the human side of us, and between the spirit, the God side of us. And there's an old metaphor used by preachers to illustrate this. They say it's like two big hungry dogs, and the one that's going to win is the one you feed the most. Now, all metaphors break down, but there's some truth in that. The one you feed the most will be the one that wins. So you've got to feed the spiritual hunger. You've got to do the things that will make you spiritually hungry. People say to me, I don't feel close to God. I say, what are you doing about it? And I say, nothing. So, well, there you go. Rocket science. If you want to feel, feel close to God, if you want to be hungry, you've got to feed that hunger. Let me say something which, which is, I think is so true. And, 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 and I, this has really impacted me. When you say this, I can't find time to spend with God, that's not a time management issue. It's a hunger issue. Because when you're hungry... You don't say, do you know what? I'm so hungry, I can't find any time to eat. Who says that? When you're hungry, you find time to eat. All you need to find is not the time, you need to find the food, don't you? If you say, I haven't got time to push into God, it isn't a time management issue. It's a hunger issue, folks. You're saying, I haven't got time. Well, actually, I'm not hungry enough. Because if you were hungry enough, you'd find the food. When you're hungry enough, you find the food. You adjust your life to make time for the food that you're hungry for. People say to me, I haven't got time to get to group. I haven't got time to come and worship. I haven't got time to pray. I haven't got time to read my Bible. I haven't got time to do this. I say, I want to say, how much time do you spend on your phone? How much time do you spend on your computer? How much time do you spend at the cinema? How much time do you spend shopping? You will adjust your life with the time, won't you? It's not a time management issue. It's a hunger issue. And so number six, act on it. David then goes on in verse three and four, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I'm not just going to be passive. He says, I'm going to act on it. So I'm going to miss it. I'm going to remember it. I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to catch it. I'm going to feed it. I'm going to act on it. And then finally, I'm going to receive it. You see, it's not our hunger for him that is the, that is the big issue. It's his hunger for, hunger for us as well. We get hungry for God when we receive his hunger for us. Yes, we feed it. Yes, we remember. Yes, we do something about it. But in the doing something about it, we come to the point when we receive again his hunger and his passion for us. And that changes everything. David in verse 5 says, I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Listen, on my bed, I remember you. I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. We will never ever be spiritually hungry for God unless we receive his love and his passion for us. My favorite quotes of all time, Guy for Wayne Jacobson said, we will never love effectively if we're not being loved extravagantly. We have to receive the love and the hunger and the passion that God has for us, which ultimately stirs up our hunger and our passion for him. I want to ask the band if they could come back up. And the servers are going to head to the tables now, please. And in a moment, we're going to take communion together. We're going to, we've got to, haven't we? When Jesus, you know, we've been looking at Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Guys, listen, listen, look at me for a moment. 
We're going to take communion in a moment and we're going to do it old school. You know, the Bible talks about when you take communion, a man or a woman should examine themselves when they take it. And that's not a medical examination. We're not going to go weird, all right? It means that they, that, they, that they ask God to shine the light of the Holy Spirit into their life. And, they, and that's going to say, what are you really hungry for? As you take communion, as you remind yourself that He's the bread of life, what are you really hungry for? Is actually, are you spending most of your time around this table? The table of junk food, materialism, legalism, sensationalism, the stuff. Or are you spending your time and your energy and your focus and your passion around the good stuff? Around the good stuff. Somebody said at the end of the first service that if on this table we'd have shown you all of the things that go into junk food, okay? All of the sugar and the fat and all of that stuff. And then we showed you all the stuff that goes into this. There'd be no question. There'd be no attraction to that, would there? Because you could see it for what it really is. But this is cunning. This disguises. This deceives. This is an illusion. Whereas this is more transparent. This is what it is. This is eternal. And, and so in a moment, the, the guys are going to come and they're going to start to give you bread and, 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 the, and the wine, the juice. I want you to hold on to the bread and don't eat it for a moment. Say, could we start to do that, guys? Start to give that out. Start to give that out, guys. Thank you. So just hold on to it for a moment. And as you hold on to it, and as I talk and as the guys play, just examine yourself for a moment. Work is not the bread of life. Family is not the bread of life. Your house, your hobby, your holiday, not the bread of life. Your cause, your calling, your conviction, not the bread of life. Church, not the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. Ask the Holy Spirit to shine His light. Where are you spending your time? Are you hanging around the junk food table? Or actually, are you moving towards and hanging around the real food table this morning? So Father, as we take these emblems, we want to do what you have instructed us to do. We want to examine ourselves. We want to eat and drink worthily this morning. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. Doesn't mean we, we might say, God, I don't even love you right now. I don't even want to love you. But could we say, but I want to want to love you. God, even that decision could stir up hunger, which could lead us to that table where the real food is. And so Jesus, as we hold on to this bread, as we hold on to this juice, God, would you come and would you examine us? And then in a moment, as we eat and drink and as we celebrate your great love for us, Lord, I pray that every single one of us here in this room, those watching or listening, God, I pray that we would stir up our spiritual hunger. And that as we head towards Easter, by the time we get to Easter Sunday and that resurrection day, may we be hungrier for you than we've ever been before. So Jesus, we ask you to come, Holy Spirit.